the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my turn. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And we might have a little fun along the way. It's the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, a program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. It's great to be with you today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you as we talk about the issues that affect us in our community, our state, and our nation. And of course, on our program, we do that from a perspective that honors America's founding traditions of God, family, and country. Pleased to be joined today by the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Florida, Lieutenant Governor Governor Carlos Lopez Cantera. He's also a candidate for the United States Senate, representing Florida in the United States Senate. And we'll go to our we'll go to Governor Lopez Cantera right now. Well, Governor, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Roger. It's great to be with you and your audience. Really enjoyed uh, last time you were on some weeks ago, and it's great to have you back and. Uh, that that discussion was more about yeah it was during the legislative session we talked a lot about the legislative session and your role as lieutenant governor today I'd like to talk more about your role as a candidate for the United States Senate and start first of all if you could just share with us why are you seeking the position of United States Senator from Florida well because here in Florida you know I've been accustomed to getting things done and governing as a conservative and on the basic principles of less government, less taxes, and more freedom. And, you know, you look at where we are as a country, we're literally at a crossroads where we can go left, which, and, I, you know, I mean literally left, and end up like basically any country in Europe where government is the answer to everything and people have less opportunity. Back to reading the instruction manual, that came with this the constant what are the most important things you want the voters afforded to know about you the most important thing that i'd like the voters to know about me is that i'm somebody who doesn't take anything less than actual tangible results as a success one of the things that frustrates me with dc is it's the new normal for a definition of success is sponsoring legislation that doesn't go anywhere yet we still have uh nearly 20 trillion dollars in debt uh you know, they take, they take victory laps because they gave impassioned speeches that didn't do anything, yet we still have 100,000 pages of regulations that are making it more and more difficult, and more to come, unfortunately, for businesses to, to get off the ground and succeed. I mean, if you look at, for instance, what's happening in Puerto Rico, they're about to, to face a debt crisis where they're not able to meet their obligations. Well, the United States of America fiscally is on the same path it's not going to happen tomorrow but it'll happen before my youngest daughter graduates high school and this is this is a monumental issue for this country 
Now, can you talk about your philosophy? And we're already starting to get a feel for it already in just your answers thus far. But can you talk about your philosophy of the role of government, especially since this is a you're seeking position in the United States Center, especially the role the role of the federal government in the lives of the citizens? The role of the federal government should be one to protect us domestically and abroad, to secure our borders, to ensure that infrastructure is well maintained and not much else. Unfortunately, instead of adhering to the Tenth Amendment, which suggests that we put as many decisions down in the states as possible, the reverse has actually occurred. And I'm a big, big fan and a big believer in the Tenth Amendment. I've been in state government making the difficult decisions here in Florida, but we've been proving what our founding fathers intended with the Tenth Amendment, because though... We've took a lot, taken a lot of criticism for the, the conservative policies we've pursued and had successes in. Uh, 600,000 people moved to Florida in the last two years. They're voting with their feet. They're leaving other states where they've made poor decisions of higher taxes and higher regulation and making it more difficult to, to, to start a job uh, or start a business and create jobs or get a job. And that's why people are coming here. And that's what I believe the Tenth Amendment uh, intended that the states would do what they thought was best for their citizens, and then the citizens would choose what state they'd want to be in. And unfortunately, everything in D.C. is a knee-jerk reaction to the latest popular culture issue that they think that they have to jump on top of, and they write a, try and write a law that uh, just creates more opportunity, create more regulations, and it's just become absolutely ridiculous. And frankly, as a citizen, I'm fed up, and I'm... I'm upset, and, you know, I guess I'm thinking, you know, you can't can't count on others, so you've got to do it yourself. So I'm going to go up there and roll up my sleeves, but I'm not, I go into it with eyes wide open. And I also recognize part of the problem is term limits. We don't have term limits in Congress, and yet people up there who've been there so long that they have no idea what the real world is like anymore. And what they do in D.C., the status quo is just normal for them, and... They have this recipe of focus grouping, poll testing, talking points to get reelected every year, and enough is enough. It's just really, really at that time in our country where we really need to have people up there, one, that know what they're doing, but two, are cognizant of what the problems are and have a track record of proving that they, uh, they do what they say they're going to do. And that's me. I mean, I've always been somebody who has contempt and doubt and questions government. Because I recognize that government spends people's money. Not government, you know, it, it, government doesn't generate revenue. It collects taxes. And I know that people have to get up early, go to work, to earn a salary to pay those taxes. Friends, you're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Our guest right now is Florida Lieutenant Governor Carlos Lopez Cantera. He's a candidate for the United States Senate. That election is coming up this year. Governor, can you tell us? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've known from our last discussion and once in, in this discussion as well that you're a, a very keen observer and you have keen instincts into uh, politics um, in America. And of, of course, you know, as 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 you've been talking about and as we're witnessing in the way this presidential election has folded out, actually on both sides, especially the Republican side, with the outsider candidates generating so much enthusiasm and and doing so well. Um, obviously, it, it, that's a reaction to the broken culture, if you will, in Washington, from my perspective. Um, 
what can you do? And I, and I realize that you understand, you know, that situation. If you're elected, what can you do as, as an, a single individual, a, a freshman senator, to go up there and, and begin to help to change the, the culture in Washington? Well, that's the, the key the key point, that, the word that you said was begin to change. And I'm, I'm not naive. I'm realistic. One out of 100 isn't going to go in there and be able to make all the changes that are necessary uh, right away. But, you know, it's, you know, having small victories, little by little, focusing on things that really do make a difference, but doing them under the radar. It's how I was able to get things done in, in Tallahassee. It's how I was able to get things done uh, when I was property appraiser. And it's the kind of things that we do uh, that, you know, don't get a lot of attention here in Florida that are making a big difference. For instance, you know, at the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation, it used to take 40 days to wait on average to get a license to operate a business. And now it takes an average wait of two days. And it's something you don't hear a lot about, but it makes a big difference. Think about that 39-day difference in somebody's life when they're waiting on government to be able to just to get to work. So it's little things that are under the radar, not about you know getting interviews, not about getting on C-SPAN, but about getting results. So... You know, my plan actually is not to go up to D.C. and do a lot of things. My goal is to go up there and undo a lot of things. Friends, you're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Our guest is Florida Lieutenant Governor Carlos Lopez Cantera. He's a candidate for United States Senate from Florida. And, Governor, we've got about two minutes before our break. Hopefully you can stay with us for about ten more minutes after the break. Is that correct? Happily. And before we go to that, I did want to acknowledge that you're picking up a lot of steam and a lot of momentum. Your campaign's doing very well. One, you got a very key endorsement from a fellow who's a good friend of ours in our program. That's the Florida Senate President Andy Gardner, if I if I understand correctly, has actually come out and endorsed you, which is you know, fairly rare for a, a sitting elected officials in primaries. Can you just uh, maybe briefly talk about that before we go to break? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Andy Gardner and the Speaker of the House, Steve Cristofoli, have both endorsed my candidacy. Um, and I'm grateful to have their support. Uh, I also have Pam Bondi, who's endorsed uh, my campaign for the Senate, and we have nearly two-thirds of the Republicans in the legislature uh, supporting our candidacy for the U.S. Senate. And I'm proud to have a lot of state support because, you know, I believe that there's a big difference between Florida Republicans and Washington Republicans. And the biggest difference is here in Florida, when we say we're going to do something, we actually go and do it. And that's the biggest difference between what you see in Florida and what you, uh, and what we've all, unfortunately, been seeing in, in Washington, D.C. And before we go to break, we've got about a minute, and then we'll come back, of course. But uh, is, do you have a, a website or a way that you'd like for people to contact you that, that may be inclined to learn more about you or to, or to support your campaign? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you can go to the website, which is carlosforflorida.com, F-O-R-Florida.com, carlosforflorida.com. There you can... Sign up, get email updates. You can get a link to the Facebook and Twitter pages. And if you're so inclined, you can make a contribution. Uh, we're not getting a lot of support from D.C., cause, probably because of how much we've been criticizing D.C. So uh, we've been raising money the, the old-fashioned way, just you know, literally driving hundreds of miles around the state, uh, trying to pick up as much, uh, as much support as we can. And it's not easy, Roger. It's not easy. So we could sure use some, some help. 
What's great? Well, we're happy to hear, be here to help you get the message out. And uh, boy, I guess I guess they're already getting the message in Washington. And I guess I guess they're already uh, hear what you're saying, and, uh, and they're starting to starting to to get what you're about a little bit, which uh, uh, that's encouraging uh, from that perspective, at least. Uh, well, friends, we're going to go to our first break. When we come back, we'll continue to speak with Florida Lieutenant Governor Carlos Lopez Cantera, candidate for the United States Senate from Florida. I want to let you know our program is sponsored by our friends over at Alexander Aviation Associates, the aviation insurance experts. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Central Florida's connection to news, views, and interviews. Important to you. And this is my turn. And now, back to the studio, here's Roger Franklin Williams. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Of course, one of the best ways that we have of protecting what we've got or bending off uh, what we don't want are elections are uh, putting the right people in office and then holding them accountable we are in the process of one of the most historic literally and impactful and influential elections especially presidential elections uh, in american history right now and it's very exciting and that's what we are talking about um on our program of course throughout the course of the year we're very pleased to be joined right now by a candidate who's involved in one of those very influential elections. He's a candidate for the United States Senate from Florida. He would be replacing Senator, Mar- Senator Marco Rubio. And he is the Florida, he's currently the Lieutenant Governor of Florida, Governor Carlos Lopez Cantera. Now, government, Governor, can we um, talk about, let's go back and talk more about if you were to, to be elected, um, what would be one or two or three of your top priorities? that you would want to accomplish specifically? Well, I would like to use tax policy to incentivize certain things in our country. Um, Small businesses are having a harder and harder time accessing uh, capital uh, because more and more community banks, which is where the real relationships are, are either being bought by larger banks or shutting down because of Dodd-Frank, because of over-regulation. So what I would like to do there is I would like to lower the capital gains tax for businesses that are considered small businesses, 100 employees or less, so that people who invest in those businesses have an incentive to invest there because, well, anytime you invest capital, you're taking a risk. But if you take a risk on a small business, you'll get a lower tax bill from the federal government. Also, another thing I'd like to do, uh, I've been talking to veterans a lot, and they're having more and more difficulty uh, especially in rural areas that are farther away from, from more populated areas where there's larger VA facilities, finding specific uh, uh, services in their, in their communities. For instance, dentistry. Getting a dentist for a vet can be difficult if you don't live close to, a, to one of the larger facilities. So what I'd like to do there is say to all dentists, if you perform pro bono work on a veteran, you can deduct the cost of that service on your income tax. And I believe, you know, you can get the, the citizenry and businesses to do things if you tell them, if you do this, it's going to cost you less. But still, we've seen it here in Florida. And I'm not a big fan of passing laws saying you must do this. I'd rather say 
if you do do this, your cost of government will be less. And I believe that that's uh, something that isn't uh, pursued enough in Washington, D.C. And I think it'll, it'll work because it's work here in Florida. Friends, you're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Our guest right now is Florida Lieutenant Governor Carlos Lopez Cantera, and he's a candidate for the United States Senate to represent Florida. Now, Governor, can, now I'd like to have you maybe take a step back and for those that may not be as familiar with your entire background, I know most are, of our listeners at least are familiar with your service as lieutenant governor of Florida. But can you tell us, uh, just give us uh, an overview of, of your background in politics and government, how you got started and where you got started and some of your experience? Sure. Well, it got started actually in, in business because I have 20 years uh, experience in real estate development. And I've suffered at the hands of government bureaucrats. And those experiences have driven me. In, in my time uh, in the legislature and in local government, and now as lieutenant governor. So when I was in the state house, I served there uh, for eight years from a district in Miami. I concentrated mostly on lowering property taxes. I was able to get a constitutional amendment on the ballot as a freshman, which isn't normal for a freshman to be able to accomplish, but I did, and it lowered property taxes for low-income seniors. That was in 2006. Uh, I also have several laws to make it easier for you to appeal the, your property taxes because it, the, before the laws that I wrote, the property appraiser was presumed to be correct and you had to prove he was wrong. So now, after the change, you're on equal footing and you both enter the appeal uh, if you have to have one uh, uh, without having somebody uh, with a deck stacked against them. I also, you know, when we had the mortgage fraud crisis here in Florida, D.C. gave us Dodd-Frank. I wrote Florida's response, and it was a three-page law, just three pages that said simply, if you commit mortgage fraud from the notary public to the mortgage broker and beyond, it's a second-degree felony. And then after I was done in Tallahassee, I finished uh, my last two years as the majority leader of the state house, and that was the year that we reformed our pension system, did away with teacher tenure. Uh, We reformed our Medicaid system so that the cost wouldn't continue to skyrocket out of control. And then I ran for property appraiser in Dade County against the incumbent because I thought I could do a better job. I beat him in a countywide election in, in Miami-Dade County, which is not a place where Republicans usually are successful, but I was successful. I was there, and while I was there, I took on the unions. They filed unfair labor complaints against me. I uh, went after a no-show union employee that was making $100,000 a year and started the process to fire him. I... Uh, I held my employees accountable. Uh, the labor contract that I had said that I had to give them paid time off to go vote on Election Day. So after Election Day, I went back and checked if they voted, and I ended up suspending 40 employees without pay because they they took advantage of the taxpayers and didn't even bother to go vote. One of them, and, uh, and also I ended up because they didn't want to, consider the office as a constitutional office, which would have been given me more ability to cut the budget and do the things that, that people were expecting. So I was there one year, and then Governor Scott uh, gave me a call uh, when he had a vacancy in the role and offered me the ability to be lieutenant governor and be his running mate. And at the time, uh, the conventional wisdom was that Charlie Chris was going to win. There was even public polling that showed Rick Scott down by 10 points. But that's when I said, yes, let's go. Let's have this fight because, you know, when you believe in something, you have to go and fight for it. 
And that's why I said yes to Rick Scott and was happy to be a, a part of, of having us win re-election and ensuring that Charlie Crist uh, lost the statewide election as a Republican, an Independent, and a Democrat. And then uh, last year, uh, Marco Rubio uh, talked to me about considering running for his Senate seat because he was going to be running for, for another position and gave it a lot of thought because running a statewide campaign in Florida is, is not easy. It's difficult. I mean, it's a wonderful state with so much to offer, but it's really, really big. So I uh, gave it some thought and uh, started thinking about what I talked about earlier, about where we are as a country and how we've been shortchanged and uh, let down by Washington, D.C. just so many times. And uh, and then realizing that I, I, I was the only Republican that has a chance of winning this race in November, I decided to do it. And we've been at this for, for just over a year. And things are going great. Um, but this is an important election. I mean, this race will most likely decide which party has control of the U.S. Senate. So... Uh, that is something that I think about a lot is what would it be like if Chuck Schumer was the uh, majority leader in the state, in the U S Senate. Um, not to say that our leaders on the Republican side have been that great, but <laughs> still better than, than Chuck Schumer. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And, uh, thank you for that, uh, that great overview of your background. And one thing that I was able to glean, and I'm sure our listeners will too, is you've had a lot of success at the ballot box in many cases in an underdog role. And, I'll just make an editorial comment, and I should have mentioned this earlier, but you know, mention it now. Um, I, I am supporting you. I'm not an unbiased uh, player in this in this particular race. I'm I'm you know supporting you and hope that you win this this race. And uh, it is a it is a contested primary field. Um, and the point I would make on your behalf is that um, you're right. You're going to need somebody that has ability to get elected. <laughs> And you've you've proven your track record, even from your earliest days, that you can you can run in tough races. You can run in races where um, that that the Republicans don't even have a majority of the vote or in the minority, and and you can still win. And, and I think that that that's a huge part of the equation of of choosing who to vote for. So, but well, um, th- thank you, Roger. And I look at it in two ways. Um, you know, people who voted primaries on the Republican side, they want to they don't want to be let down. Well, with me, if they look me up, they look at my record they'll see that I have never let conservatives down uh, in the offices I've held. Now, not to say I haven't made mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But uh, I've delivered more than anybody in this race. Frankly, one of the things that frustrates me is there are two congressmen running in the race. And, you know, with all due respect to them, I've heard them speak at several events now. And they, they tell everybody the same red meat talking points that you hear from from candidates running for federal office that we've been hearing since since uh, since the Tea Party movement really started. Yet, they, what they never tell the audience is, I'm a congressman right now, and although I have the power to do something about it right now, I haven't. So send me to the Senate, because I'm going to be as ineffective in the Senate as I have been <laughs> in the House. And that's one of the things that upsets me about that culture in Washington, D.C. They think that we are stupid. They think that we don't see it, that we are, are not uh, intelligent enough to realize that we are not going to just take the red meat talking points anymore, that we want results. And that's why I'm running, because, you know, you're not going to hear me with all the red meat talking points. You're going to see me delivering results. That's a great point. Uh, just two quick things before we have to, to wrap up. One, I take a step back and 
uh, your, when you kind of gave your overview of your background back when you were a property appraiser and uh, dealing with the unions and, and, and when you actually prosecuted those public employees that, that didn't vote when they took the day off to, to go vote. Um, yeah, I think one of the big problems we have with government across the board from local to federal is accountability, you know, holding government accountable. And you certainly have a, you've demonstrated a track record of holding a, you know, holding government accountable. And that was a great, great example of it. And, and you're so right. Um, you know, it actually was a topic of the Rush Limbaugh uh, program today, in fact, as well as the Washington Republicans have really gotten this whole red meat speech thing and then do not do nothing uh, down to a science, uh, to an art form. And, yeah. and I think that's one of the reasons, you know, things we got the political climate we got right now is that people are, are, have figured it out and, and they want so much more than that. But anyway, thank you for another uh, interesting and inter- insightful and even entertaining discussion, uh, Lieutenant Governor Gov- uh, Carlos Lopez Cantera. And uh, we, we look forward to speaking to you again and wish you all the best. Thank you, Roger. Anytime you, you'll have me on, I'd be happy to, to be on. So thank you for the opportunity again. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Friends, we're going to go to break. I want to remind you that this uh, program today is sponsored by friends over to Alexander Aviation Associates, the aviation insurance experts. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my turn. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And we might have a little fun along the way. It's the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, here's Roger. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to be with you. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you as we talk about the issues that affect us in our community, our state, and our nation. Of course, on our program. The Roger Franklin Williams Show. We do that from a perspective that honors America's founding traditions of God, family, and country. We have a great show for you today and a very interesting show in this couple segments. We're, of course, athletics and sports is a big part of our focus on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And we're pleased to be joined now by representatives of an outstanding business that actually uh, in the health and medical field. It's Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Services. And we're pleased to be joined by Glenn Stiles, who's the administrator at Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Services, and Marisa Brunette, who's the director of Outpatient and Community Services. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thank thanks you. for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, let's go ahead and start with Glenn. And Glenn, can you just tell us some um, a little bit about Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Services because you've been in our area, which is the uh, greater Apopka, you know, Altamont Springs area for uh, about a year or so now. And uh, you've got a beautiful building that really stands out. And you know, I know a lot of our listeners would be, like to hear, hear more about you. Absolutely. And again, thank you for letting us be here. and glad to be here to discuss some important topics in the community. Um, like you said, we're Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation. We've been around for a little bit over a year now. We've opened uh, three locations. One is in Oviedo, and the other second one was out in Apopka serving this community, and then one else in Orange City. So, again, we've been around for about a year that way, too, too, and specialize in physical therapy, sports medicine, occupational therapy, and speech therapy. 
services in the community. Now let's go to uh, Marisa Brunette. And Marisa, you're the director of outpatient and community services at Nirvana Sports Medicine. Can you tell us a bit about your role? Uh, yes, I am uh, more of a liaison uh, to our community. I've uh, worked in the athletic training, sports medicine uh, profession for over 30 years. I've been in the central Florida area, working with our local high schools, youth groups, uh, athletic trainers, assisting them however we can, uh, as well as program development uh, for all of my previous places that I've uh, worked with. Uh, so I just joined the Nirvana team. Glenn and I worked together for many years prior to this, um, again, in the community and have helped our local high schools. And um, I, I like what uh, Nirvana has put together here, and, and Glenn's done an amazing job in uh, hoping that we can serve our community with our, our new facility um, and, you know, help them develop programs and various athletic training areas, youth sports groups, um, seniors, uh, athletic groups, and Again, I'm more of a, a liaison to the group as well as I do a lot of our marketing. It's a very interesting field. I'm pleased to be able to share what you do with our listeners. And, you know, it's um, it seems like more and more people, which I think is a very positive thing, are getting involved in some kind of athletic activity. Of course, youth sports is burgeoning all across the board, uh, whether traditional sports like Little League and Pop Warner football. But uh, now soccer is huge, of course. Lacrosse is growing and you know, a lot of other sports, too. But then... Um, a lot of the uh, the uh, the old school guys and gals are as they um, you know, go through life are continuing to work out and exercise, or some of them are getting back into it now. So I think it's uh, definitely uh, um, all those are very positive things, and it's um, and great to be able to, to talk to people such as you who who help help facilitate and, and, and help people that are getting more active. It definitely is because none of us want to get older. We all want to stay active in our lifestyle and keep going. So we do not give in. So we keep moving. No, let's just talk about some of the basics. Let's start with the very basics, because um, and I've got even some of these questions myself, even being heavily involved in, in, in sports. Uh, let's start at the top, and we'll go to Marisa. And, and can you share with us, what is a good definition? What exactly is athletic training? Well, that's a great question, and I always get asked this question when I travel away to meetings, and you're sitting on an airplane, and you have that person beside you that thinks they know what you do. Um, and actually, you know, when you get into what athletic training is and what an athletic trainer does, um, they leave very educated and aware, which is great. Athletic training is a still considered a young profession. Um, our association, the National Athletic Trainers Association, was founded in 1950. Um, so, again, we're a very young profession but growing very rapidly. Um, the athletic training profession basically encompasses the prevention, examination, diagnosis, treatment, and rehabilitation of emergent, acute, or chronic injuries and medical conditions. Um, the athletic trainer's uh, profession has been recognized by the American Medical Association as well as the Human Health Resources Administration um, and the Department of Health and Human Services as an allied health care profession. Now, that misconception you know, on the, um, the, the elevator talk or my elevator speech, as I say, is the term athletic trainer is misleading to our public in that they think of personal trainers, um, which is a newer profession as well. 
Um, so the name can get confusing for our public, but um, I, th- I think our national association, I had served um, most recently as the National Athletic Trainers Association Public Relations Chair, and there's a lot of work that's being done, that's been done, and I think if you notice and you listen to sportscasters today, they are starting to refer to the medical professionals that you see run out on the field as athletic trainers. So I think the more awareness that we can get out into our community is uh, to the fact that the athletic training profession is a medical health-related profession, um, you know, that only benefits everybody. And especially as a parent, you want to make sure that your student-athlete is being taken care of. Um, and that's when, you know, you want to make sure that, whatever high school you're at or youth group you're participating, that you, you have athletic trainers there that are able to help and, and work with the physicians to provide these services. Right. So just um, for the public, when we're talking athletic trainer on our program today, we're talking about medical professionals who, who help um, you know, with medical services and not somebody who help, helps you get in shape, basically. Exactly. exactly. Uh, now, I'd like to follow that up with Marisa Burnett. Brunette, and can you who who are athletic trainers? And tell us a little bit about the, the modern the modern athletic trainer, if you will. Well, that's a great question, and the the curriculum for the athletic trainers has evolved tremendously. And it is a uh, healthcare profession that young students need to apply to and be accepted in, just like you would any other healthcare related profession. Um, athletic trainers and uh, general, we you know we refer to ourselves now as ATs and hope that we can get the public to catch on to that. And we're highly qualified and, and multi-skilled healthcare professionals, and we do collaborate with physicians, which kind of separates us out from some of our counterparts because the athletic trainers do work under the supervision of a physician, um, and we provide preventative services, as you know, the emergency care. We diagnose injuries. We provide therapeutic interventions. We rehabilitate the injuries as well, as well as taking care of medical conditions, um, which I'm sure everybody is very familiar with concussions. That's in the news quite a bit. Um, And more emergent situations like heat illnesses um, and cardiac issues. So the athletic trainer, again, uh, we consider ourselves a unique healthcare provider because we go from you know, uh, one extreme of providing preventative services all the way through the treatment and care and rehabilitation and return to their activity, whether it be an athlete or, you know, a senior, um, more senior citizen that wants to get back to, you know, playing golf or tennis or pickleball. And our community is pretty big. You're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Our guests at the moment are representatives of Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Services. We're speaking with, pleased to be speaking with Glenn Stiles, who's the administrator at Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Services, and Marisa Brunette, who is the Director of Outpatient and Community Services at Nirvana Sports Medicine. Let's go back to Glenn. And Glenn, as we've been discussing, a very interesting field, relatively new field in the world of sports. Uh, how did you come to uh, get involved in the field of sports medicine and rehabilitation? That career for me started many, many years ago. Um, I was a, uh, on an ambulance crew here in Orlando uh, for a number of years working that avenue and was had the um, ability to follow patients from that standpoint, from emergency medical services forward, and did a lot of standby units at athletic events and got involved in the uh, 
athletic training and rehabilitation world from that part. So then I went back to school at the University of Florida and gathered my athletic training degree from, from that area, from exercise and sports sciences, and then went on to UCF and finished up master's. And from that area, developed specializations in the baseball uh, and then went more on the clinical side and the business side of the, of the rehab to bring that, that care that we'd have in the field with the athletes back into the clinic setting a little bit more. Very interesting. And now we've got about two minutes where we have to take our, uh, our break. And we'll go back to, to Glenn, Glenn Stiles. And can you share with us uh, briefly where you, your patients, uh, how, how your patients come to you? Our patients come to us mostly by f- referrals. Um, or they go to see their physician, their doctor, either their family practice doctor, uh, their orthopedic doctor, and they have a condition that they're looking for uh, some type of physical therapy or rehabilitation or some services to get back into an activity or sport. Uh, from that standpoint, you know, that they recommend us or going to come to us and see in our facilities, and we get them from the referral from that facility, uh, from the physician, um, or directly from them walking in. And then we can take them from that part and then start working with them, develop a plan of care, an evaluation plan of care, and they work one-on-one with our therapists and our staff and that part of it, including athletic trainers, occupational therapists, and if they need it, speech therapy as well. And about the program going forward, we keep our programs functionally based, um, very proactive, um, very much cutting edge to be or on the functional core strengthening of individuals while rehabbing their injuries. So we return them back into a more healthy lifestyle and try to get them in a, a good base of support to move forward with their, their process. So they won't get injured again, so they can keep moving and progressing forward. Very interesting, very interesting field. And as, as we were talking about, it's kind of a burgeoning field as well. First, we're going to go to our break in just a, a few seconds. But for, when we return, we'll continue to speak with Glenn Stiles and Marisa Brunette of Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Services. We'll talk about how um, um, the growth of athletic trainers in high school sports um, in, in that arena. Before we go to break, I want to remind you that our program is sponsored by our friends at Sheeler Auto Repair. And I want to let you know that if you're looking for a car, truck, uh, if someone to care for your car, truck, or other vehicle with old-school honesty, integrity, and dependability, I urge you to get over to see Demetrius and Odysseus Virgos at Sheeler Auto Repair. You can trust the guys at Sheeler Auto Repair. In fact, that's where I take my car. They're located at 1908 South Orange Blossom Trail, Apopka. Stay with us. We'll be right back with the Roger Franklin Williams Show. you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Central Florida's connection to news, views, and interviews. Important to you. And this is my turn. And now, back to the studio, here's Roger Franklin Williams. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Great to be with you today. We're speaking with representatives of Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Services. We're talking about the very interesting topic of athletic training and athletic trainers and the the greater field of sports medicine. And our guests are Glenn Stiles, who's the administrator at Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Services, and Marisa Brunette, who's the director of outpatient and community services at Nirvana Sports Medicine. And Glenn and Marisa, we were talking before the break about how it's the whole field of athletic training, um, Sports medicine is, is a relatively new field in our society, in our community. And um, one of the, the re- you know, big developments in recent years is that the so state of Florida in general, but especially Central Florida, uh, almost every school now has um, af- you know, 
student athletic trainers, uh, helping the, the professional athletic trainers, and they actually have programs uh, that, that youngsters can get involved and begin to learn in the curriculum um, and, and be taught about athletic training and sports medicine. Can you address that for us, please? Absolutely. Um, our Central Florida area is very blessed and, and has been for quite a while in that um, for a long time, um, Orange County Public Schools was uh, a model district in the country in regards to having full-time athletic trainers that were hired by the school to provide their uh, student-athletes with um, health care services. Um, and they just continue the tradition um, through today uh, where every Orange County Public Play School has at least two uh, full-time certified and licensed athletic trainers. Um, our athletic trainers do now not only need to be nationally board certified, but uh, the state of Florida also, recon- uh, you know, highly, well, not recommends, requires a healthcare license to provide the services of which uh, the counties do a phenomenal job of making sure that they are hiring the right qualified individuals to provide these services. Um, the athletic training programs that they have for the student are uh, really top of the line as well. I know Apopka High School, um, Ken Keister over there and Jerome Mogul do a fantastic job with their athletic training student program and have won you know many awards um, as well as as the uh, Ken uh, himself has won uh, athletic trainer of the year in the high school through the state association but the opportunities that these professional uh, athletic trainers at each school provide the students is is unmatched in that um, they have a higher chance of getting into a collegiate program uh, than some of the schools that don't have it because they've been able to work side by side with these athletic trainers. Now, they do not provide the health care services to these student athletes. I want to make sure that all of our listeners understand that. The athletic trainers are training them and teaching them, and, you know, they're, they're um, first aiders. Uh, they are certified in first aid. They make sure they get certified in CPR and AED, but the athletic trainers are the ones that are actually providing the health care services. Very interesting. And, and Glenn, would you like to speak to that? Uh, it, it is a great program that we have a, a continuity that way that students can get because they get the education, they get the background, and they can carry that further into the collegiate setting when they go to it. And without the student athletic trainers assisting the professional athletic trainers in school, a lot of the stuff that goes on would not be possible and that they are a valuable asset to have the students and they gain a valuable amount of knowledge to move forward in their career once they get that way. A lot of them have their career paths already planned out, which is amazing. When they're in the high school, they have their career path. They know what they want to do, and they go into it. And that's phenomenal to know when, a, when a, you have a high school student who has a career path already lined up, they want to be something involved with that. And you mentioned Ken Keister over to Popka High School. He's been a, actually a frequent guest on our Blue Daughter Sports Central program, and we've gotten some real insight into the great work that he's doing and his, his passion and dedication for not only uh, athletic training, um, and helping the the players, but especially for training and um, mentoring the the students in the athletic training program. And, and just to speak to what Glenn said too, uh, we've met several of these youngsters that are that are in that program, and it's amazing how mature and and, and motivated and and the, they have a career of specific career path and direction that they're working towards in in the medical field and athletic training field. Yeah, absolutely, they are a, a central asset to. The entire program into the high school, into the high school uh, student athletes. Now let's go back to Marisa Brunette, and can you talk about uh, shares with us about the Atlas 
project. Uh, what is it, and what is the mission of the Atlas and the function of the Atlas project? Well, I'm glad you asked that because this is a very important uh, data gathering project that is um, has been initiated by the Corey Stringer Institute, um, out of based out of the University of Connecticut. And um, those of you who know football and NFL football, Corey Stringer um, was uh, an NFL football player that died from heat stroke, uh, which is totally preventable. That is an illness that no one should ever really die from because it is 100% preventable. Um, so what they sought out to do, and which um, in collaboration with the Nath- National Athletic Trainers Association, is find out how many certified and licensed athletic trainers there are in the high schools in each state across the country. And they developed this ATLAS project, which stands for Athletic Training Location and services database. Um, and I just went on to kind of check out how Florida was doing yesterday prior to coming on your show. And um, we have a lot of, unfortunately, black dots listed there, which means that they haven't really gotten information. Now, going through some of these um, schools that they have listed, um, which, according to the Corey Stringer Institute, they received at least some type of information back from their administration in the high schools in Florida from uh, 1,769 schools. That's what they have listed in their database. But if you go to highschools.com, the number of high schools Florida has listed there is over 2,344 schools. So there's a big discrepancy there, but uh, they've been making great headway and reaching out to the athletic trainers across the country to give them that information um, in the hopes that, you know, they could go back to the state athletic associations and, and help them um, to kind of see the big picture. Uh, and again, um, the members that we have of certified athletic trainers, according to the National Athletic Trainers Association, um, is almost 1,400. We have 1,400 athletic trainers that are listed as being in Florida. But of those, only 470 are listed as working in the secondary school setting. So that's a big difference as far as, you know, how many athletic trainers are providing care to student-athletes in Florida's high schools. Listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, and we're speaking with Glenn Stiles, who's the administrator of Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Services, and with Marisa Brunette, who's the director of outpatient and community services at Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Services. Now, um, I'd like to follow that up, Marisa, and talk about the concept of collaborative solutions for safety in sports. And if you and if you can share insight about that initiative with us, please. I, I would love to because this was this was a big deal in in the um, high school um, and youth sports arena across the nation and um, in March of last year the NFL headquarters hosted um, key stakeholders from the high school athletics population along with renowned medical experts to basically get together and discuss best practices for health and safety in sport. Um, We all know that the professional athletes have you know the best of everything they're looking for the Um, best way that they could protect their players' safety and health. Um, But when you look at the high schools, there's not really any national protocols or um, anything that is established. They're all recommendations. 
Um, so the group got together and provided a forum for the state's decision makers to work with these physicians and sports medicine advisory committees from the high school athletics associations to try to come up and develop life-saving policies and procedures for these member schools. Um, It was hosted by the National Athletic Trainers Association, uh, the National Federation of State High School uh, Associations, as well as the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine and the Corey Stringer Institute. So basically they were looking at um, a collaborative focus to have the stakeholders look at the grassroots level of athletics. Um, We're seeing more and more younger athletes that are going in to the operating room to have Tommy John surgeries, um, ACL reconstructions, you know, concussions are more prevalent. So they're trying to reach the grassroots, um, you know, area in the athletics and develop a number of related uh, resources and procedures that they can use. Very interesting. And, you know, we'd love to have you come back another time and, we can talk specifically about some of these issues because I know those are uh, huge issues now. They're in the news all the time, and it's what uh, parents and young athletes are, are dealing with, You know, not as well as, of course, NFL players, but the issue of concussions, uh, uh, football injuries in general, uh, the safety of football in general, and then also, as you mentioned, the whole issue of, of arm injuries uh, in baseball for, for pitchers and, and young pitchers as well. Well, Glenn and Marisa, we're down to about our last minute or so. I want to thank you for coming over uh, in the – at the minute we have left, uh, Glenn, is there anything else you'd like to share uh, with our listeners about Nirvana Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Services? Uh, at Nirvana, no. We are a young, progressive company um, and gaining traction in the community. And we'd love to have, you know, community stop by and, you know, ch- see our facilities, uh, call us and, you know, give you tours and facilities and that aspect too, too. We're out in the community a lot. Uh, so, you know, we're looking forward to seeing people in that way too and working with the community. Thank you very much. You're a great asset to to the our community as well. And Marisa, thank you for joining us and for your sharing your great insights. Thank you. Appreciate you letting us get the information out there. Yep. Friends, we're going to go to a break right now. When we come back, I uh, want to let you know before we go to break that our program sponsor, our friend Dr. Patrick St. Germain, St. Germain Chiropractic, and Burn Fat Orlando, and that Dr. Patrick St. Germain has been voted best chiropractor for now five years in a row. And friends, that's going to We'll be right back. Please stay with us on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 